0: Welcome to Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, bringing the message today out of the book of Revelation as we continue our verse-by-verse study through this amazing book. The context for today is Revelation chapter 13, and again I'm in verses uh, 1 through 4. I want to read for you this context so that you can follow along and you'll know exactly where we're at. So, beginning in uh, Revelation chapter 13, the Word of God reads in verse 1, And he stood on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns, seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. You know, I agree with one writer as I was reading this week. uh, I try to read as much as I can on the book of Revelation and prophecy as I can get my hands on. And one writer says this, Is there any name on earth other than Satan or Lucifer that causes as much fear as the name Antichrist? Well, I think that's true. I think the world sees uh, and hears that name. Uh, Many Christians understand who this is, and we have an expectation of exactly when he's coming and what he will be like. But I do believe that the Antichrist will fully live up to the hype that his name invites. He will be a servant of Satan. We've seen that already in last week's look at at the Scriptures. He will serve his master well. It's no wonder that the name given to him in Scripture is the one that we looked at last week, and it's found in verse 1 of Revelation 13, and it says, I saw a beast. That beast is known as, to us as the Antichrist. And last week we mentioned that there are many, many names in the Bible, in fact, 25 uh, names, different names in the Bible for the Antichrist, And so we've seen this uh, individual. We know he's coming. We know when he'll be here. Um, Not exactly as far as our calendar today. We can't say, you know, uh, next June 3rd we'll see him or we'll know who he is. We do know that the rapture of the church will have already happened before this man, this man of sin or this man of lawlessness or this son of perdition, three different names given to him out of the book of 2 Thessalonians. We do know that when he is revealed, the church has already been raptured out. So I know there's a lot of hype. I know there's a lot of anticipation and anxiety over people looking for this person, wanting to know who it is. It's just that we are not going, we can know a lot about who he is as far as uh, the types of things we can see in the scripture given about him, which we're going to learn a lot today. But as far as his name, his family, his ancestry, his country, the time of birth, we don't know those kinds of things. And this is like so much of prophecy. We want to know. We would love to know. Even though we won't be here, we would just love to know who it is. There's this uh, anxiety that builds in in believers as they, 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 they get together and they try to figure out who it is. As though we're going to be able to figure it out. Well, we're not going to be able to figure it out and uh I'm actually glad we can't figure it out, but as we look at this, we had mentioned last week several things about this this man and uh he, it's a very interesting thing we look at in Daniel we said that the companion passages to the scripture is uh, is found in in Daniel chapter seven Daniel chapter nine there's scriptures Daniel chapter eleven and even some in Daniel chapter twelve but in, in Daniel chapter eleven we uh we we made mention last week of the outline that we were having, or that we were going through. And I'm still going to stick to that outline. Last week, the number one on the outline was personality. And personality is found in verse 1, and it's the beast. I saw the beast coming up out of the sea. And then it gives a description. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. But last week we said that this beast and the personality that we see there is he is actually a person. Uh, there are texts that are so very important because they lay a historic... A description of this figure in place and it becomes the background for the book of revelation like verse 36 calls him a king in daniel chapter 11 36 that is calls him a king he's a willful king or the king who does as he pleases now that's an interesting thing because we use that same kind of description for god himself who does whatever he pleases and then also he is sovereign uh, he answers to nobody. He is the last wicked dictator and the most comprehensive and powerful one that the world has ever known. In fact, the world's never seen a man like this. They thought they had when they had, or saw Hitler. Uh, and, and in a lot of ways, this man is going to be uh, a, a Adolf Hitler, probably 2.0. Uh, but this powerful one-world Leader, The world is never known. He will exalt and magnify himself above every God or even so-called God and will speak blasphemous things against the God of all gods, our God, creator, Lord Jesus Christ. We know that about him. His, the scriptures also say he is blasphemous. He is proud. He is profane. That's because uh, he represents the blasphemous, profane, proud Lucifer himself. He will prosper until indignation is finished. In other words, until Christ comes and stops that, for which he is decreed will be done. He is going to go right up till the very end of, of, of his time allotted, which is the coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, in, actually in Revelation chapter 12, it says that he knows after he's kicked to earth, approximate time of, of that would be about midway through the tribulation period. That he's restricted from heaven and kicked down to the earth, we know that uh, he realizes his time is short. So he is going to go all the way up to the very coming of Christ. Verse 37 tells us in, in uh, Daniel chapter 30, 11, 36 and 37, tells us he will be irreligious. He will show no regard for the gods of his father or for the desire of women. Uh, Most say that this is a description of him. He will be a homosexual. I know that may catch some by surprise, but I do believe that that's what most people see is this person. Some think he has reference to the Messiah. Uh, That is, his his desire for women is not there. Uh, And so, uh, it is going to be a very interesting individual. Um, but the the majority of most, and I know that John MacArthur has mentioned this several times, and I know that uh, Steve Lawson mentioned it several times as I listened to both of them teach Revelation, it's is most likely that he will be a homosexual. He will not show any regard for any other God. He will magnify himself above them all. He will be uh, God in in his own eyes, and he will declare himself to be God, as Second Thessalonians tells us. He will actually claim to be the Messiah, the Christ. He will honor um, a god of fortresses, uh, that is a god of power, might, and uh, uh, it's, he's going to be a very interesting individual. In fact, I could take this so far uh, as far as the names or personalities of this individual. He will take action against the strongest of fortresses with the help of foreign gods, that is probably a, re- a reference to, to Satan himself. And I'm reading directly out of Daniel chapter 11. He will give great honor to those who acknowledge him. He will cause them to rule over the many. He will parcel out land for a price. He's going to buy the world off. He's going to pay off loyalty. Uh, He's going to buy off his allies. Further, the revelation, I mean uh, Daniel chapter eleven, verse forty five, he will pitch the tents of his royal provision, pavilion between the seas and the beautiful holy mountain. That would be the Mediterranean in the Dead Sea right up to the land of Israel. Uh, yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. He will meet his match. And so there you have a more of his uh, personality according to Daniel the prophet. Uh, and and I'm not, I don't want to get too much into Daniel because actually I, it's been recommended that I go uh, directly into the book of Daniel from the book of Revelation, which I, I don't know if I still want to do that or not. But I might. So that will be something that will be forthcoming. So as far as last week, we noted the, uh, the verse 1, we looked at the personality. But number 2, we looked at the place, the sea. The sea, is, uh we said, was representative of, of the many nations of the world. That, that It actually gives us that in Scripture. So we don't really know what sea is unless you're able to look at the other Scriptures. In fact, uh, Revelation chapter 17 tells us that. That, uh, that the sea is that, uh, the nations and peoples. Uh, but I think there's a better understanding and a better interpretation. I think the sea is really, and I mentioned this last week just by way of introduction to this, representative of the abyss. I think there's a physical side here representing the nations and the peoples all, and tongues all over the world. Uh, but I think there is the spiritual side of this, which I think it represents uh, the, the abyss, the, uh, the pit, uh, the beast comes up out of the sea, so we would equate then, in my judgment, the sea with the abyss. And I, I, I explained some of this last week. And so it, it becomes a very interesting thing. So, what does it say? It says that the Antichrist, the Antichrist who dominates this world power, is going to be a body containing the spirit that has risen out of the abyss. And I think that this Antichrist is going to be demon possessed. Uh, one of the demons in the pit, probably a very formidable... Uh, I know that several writers have said he will probably be of the highest order of demons possible to 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 get to go into this man, the Antichrist. Uh, he's going to invade the body and the mind of this very gifted man, a great orator. I didn't even name that a while ago. Intelligent intellectual genius, uh, charm, charisma, astounding leadership ability. This man becomes the body of a spirit... Directly from hell, or from the pit to pit—I didn't mean to say hell, pit. Uh, the idea of sea, meaning the abyss, is, is, uh, is, is was given to us in, in several Old Testament scriptures: Job chapter twenty-six, Psalms, Isaiah twenty-seven, chapter fifty-one, Ezekiel thirty-six. All of these have implications that the sea was often associated with satanic activity and great monsters. And so I think that this, when we look at uh, the personality here and the place being the sea, as verse 1 says, a beast coming up out of the sea, and uh, then gives a description. I think this is what we're looking at. So it's a, it's a very uh, image-standing uh, verse of Scripture. You have this imagery then of Satan standing, as it were, planting his feet on the earth, conjuring up as if some powerful or calling up, some powerful demon who has occupied the proper place in the, the abyss until the time of his release. And he's going to come on the scene, he's going to control this man who controls this empire <clears throat> which this monster is described. So, I think the name monster fits him very well. He's going to be a, a very interesting, if if you want to use that word, interesting uh, uh, individual to, to look at. But I don't want to just focus on that. I do want to continue moving through the scriptures. So I'm still in verse 1. And uh, last week we didn't get a chance to touch on the on the horns. But if you'll notice, in chapter 1 it mentions 10 horns, 7 heads, 10 crowns, and blasphemous names. All of those have have very uh, full of, of meaning. But then again, I want you to know that Daniel needs to be looked at in consideration of this. Uh, because Daniel and Revelation uh you, you pretty much have to read these together. But as we noted last week it's important to mention that uh, what we have described here as the beast is both a king and a kingdom. He is an individual that is called he, and Daniel refers to him as a man. Paul refers to him as a man. The book of Revelation refers to him as a man, yet it also calls him a beast. And yet he is a man who also rules over a a a world kingdom of, of nations, a conglomerate of nations that is described as ten horns and seven heads. And I know, uh, because my wife has has read some of this and has always asked me, man, that, doesn't it just get to be confusing for people to to hear that? I said, well, it, it can get very confusing, uh, but yet the book of Revelation in chapter 1, verse 3, tells us we're blessed to read this. And blessed is he who who understands these things. I think as we study this, God reveals these things to us and gives us an understanding of of pretty much what he's talking about. We may not know the deep intricacies and some of the specifics we'd like, but we do have a good idea. He is a man who rules over this kingdom. The horns represent kings. Horns are symbols of strength and power, and the horns are representative of kings. Ten of them simply... Represent it could be ten nations, I know that uh things are happening so fast in the world right now we don't know how it's going to end up, but we do know that uh it ten here can simply mean uh, the whole world of humanity or whole world of power, meaning that he's going to control the whole world. I do realize that it could be something. Uh, as simple as the free trade agreement between the United States and Canada and Mexico and Europe and, and, and Spain and all these countries that want to be a part of this. They've even talked about dividing the world up into 10 regions. Well, you know, I don't know how that's all going to shape up, and I don't want to spend too much time analyzing that. I just want to give you what the scripture says as best I can. So it's possible uh, that uh, we we can understand a lot more of this as we get closer and as this world... Begins to to fulfill some of this. We we can see it taking shape. There's so much going on right now, and in fact, many times my mind is racing over all the things that is going on in this in this world. And then I see things like this, but it's from this group, the ten kings, that the antichrist will come. Daniel chapter seven, verses seven and eight, and Daniel in uh, verses nineteen to twenty-five of seven. Uh, tells us this. Daniel seven says you can see how this antichrist rises from the confederacy of these monarchs, these kings. Uh, th- there is the description of the beast in verse seven. The fourth beast is an image that Daniel sees, and this beast also has ten horns. So the imagery in Daniel and the image, imagery in, in Revelation is very, very similar. In fact, Daniel uh, says in Daniel seven eight it says while I was contemplating. These ten horns, behold, another horn, a little horn, came up from among them. Three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it, and behold, this horn uh, possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth uttering great boast. Here comes the Antichrist. That's, this is what he's describing here. The Antichrist, and somehow he rises out of this world, confederacy of kings, and so doing disrupts three of them. Now, we don't know exactly what that is, so since I don't know... Uh, I don't want to, to speculate on that because that becomes pretty much the focus that people hear. It's the speculation. But down in verse 19 of Daniel chapter 7, is that the following, you have a further description of the Antichrist, all the way down to verse 24. It says, As for the ten whores out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise. Another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones, and subtle three kings. So somehow he comes out of this a conglomerate of nations, Uh, represented by the ten kings he rises out somehow displaces or does away with three of them he begins to speak out against the most high he wears down the saints and he does this for three and a half years which is the last half of the, the tribulation period so here daniel is describing for us uh out of this this confederacy this individual that is coming and so uh that's 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 what revelation is is giving to us in very general form not specific at all daniel is actually more specific so also in in verse 1 we see the the heads you can turn back to it and if you're if you're in daniel you can go back to revelation 13 in verse 1 you can you can see the beast is having seven heads and those refer probably to the seven different world governments of the past. And those are listed for us, again, in Daniel, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, the Medo, Persia, uh, Greece, and Rome. And then the final kingdom, uh, chapter 17, is where we're going to find a lot more of that description there. Uh, John comments on them by saying this, There are seven kings, five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. Well, let me me just describe that to you. That's found in, in Revelation chapter seventeen, verse nine and ten, where John is writing. Five of these have already come, meaning Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, the Medes and the Persians, That's usually grouped as one, and Greece. One of them is that would be Rome, and that was which was at the power of the in, at the time of John writing this. And one of them is yet to come, and that would be the revived Roman Empire or whatever that last form is of clay and in iron representing the ten toes on the, the image that Daniel saw in Daniel chapter 2. The point is then, here for us in, Dan, in Revelation 13, that this kingdom which this individual is synonymous with, because he is the ruler out of it, this kingdom embodies all the satanic power, all the demonic influence of all the empires of the day in which it comes, and all the strength and power of all the anti-God, anti-Christ powers of the past. That's a lot. To say this man embodies all of that, all of the worst of the anti-God, the anti-Christ power and influence from all of human history, clear to this very moment and to the very moment he rules, is summed up an accumulated wickedness and force and power of this kingdom consummated in this one individual known as the Antichrist. That is a mouthful. It is a consummate, wicked world empire carrying the accumulated evil of all those empires, whether it be uh, Rome, whether it be the, the Babylonian Empire, which we know was big, the Assyrian, the Medes, the Persian, Greece, of all of those combined... An accumulated evil of all those empires of the past. And all that very time itself, led by the satanic king, the Antichrist. Folks, it's, you can't even really describe this guy, and in, in this time that's coming. Uh, is it, going to be a terrible time. I mean, I'll say by way of footnote, I did mention last time that our world today is working towards this. Because you have to ask yourself, well if all that's true... How is it that the world is going to accept this world ruler? How does he get to be a world ruler? How does he get to be a person ruling over and then the world just taking uh, taking his side? Uh, Is that even possible? Well, I I think it is possible. And I think that the the way the world has already begun to head that way, we've seen globalism uh, at an all-time high. I know that there was last week announced a global... Uh, by Swab, who the the leader there, introducing the globalist ideas and saying that the major world threat is world hunger, famine, pestilence, hunger and death itself. Well, that sounds like it directly out of the signs of the times of the birth pains found in Matthew chapter twenty four. Klaus uh, Swab is his name with the WEF, the World Economic Forum. A- examples of this uh, comes out of this is. Competent world citizens must act in large zones of gray where absolutes are absent. And so it's obvious the world is looking and working towards a globalist economy and a globalism world, one global system in which uh, absolutes are really gone. The most dangerous part of global education then will be in religion, especially in the area. Uh, of prejudice, or coming against, or having anything that's different. It's being taught in schools. In fact, there's so much that I can't even get into because it's too big of a picture. But you all know that. Uh, One choice of religion, after all, doesn't really matter since nothing is really right or wrong anymore. I mean, they're trying to do with absolutes, even away with the the absolute of the, the difference between a male and a female. Can you believe that? Our country debates that. How ridiculous is that? It's going to be necessary to create globalism, to eliminate dogmatism, to eliminate truth is their motto, is what they're going by. It's going to come, as a, it's, it's coming right now through every means possible. Folks, I don't know if you can see it, but we're being bombarded through everything. All the news channels, even Fox News buys into this in a lot of ways. So all of this is happening to produce this world that's going to beg for the Antichrist. They're going to be welcoming him, wanting him to take over. Well, so much for that. I will get back into that later. But then he's so not only are there uh, ten horns, seven heads, but there's ten crowns. Uh, John sees this image as a one world government to be embodied in this one individual, the ten crowns or ten diadems on the horns which would indicate a regal dominion, an earthly sovereignty of this confederacy, and then on the heads were blasphemous names. I think all this just tells us the world's going to accept him. The world's going to welcome him and receive him. That would be the... the, the the, the, the way that we, we describe him as far as the personality uh, of this uh, beast that we see. So there's still so much more, and I'll, get, I'll continue to get more into this. So, number one on the outline is the personality. We've looked at that. Number two is the place, the sea. can mean two things the sea of humanity, uh, every tongue, nation, and kindred of folks all over the world. But number two, the spiritual side of that is the abyss itself. And then number three is the power. And look at that in verse 2. I don't want I don't want to go too far and 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 yet not get into the scriptures. But look, look at verse 2 and the beast was which I saw was uh and he gives the description of a leopard, a bear and a lion. Uh, and so these have a, a purpose and a reason. Uh the 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 dragon gives his power and his throne and great authority. Now as John is looking at this vision. He sees it a bit closer. And he sees this particular beast, this monster, that comes up out of the abyss with ten horns, seven heads, ten crowns, blasphemous names, and also bears the likeness of a leopard, bear, and lion. Boy, it's it's very complex. Can you imagine trying to draw that? In fact, that's been kind of humorous over the years for me to see people try to draw images that are given in the book of Revelation. Well, boy, they're stumped on this one. But what is the point of these animals? I, I think that's important for us to at least get that covered today. The point of the animals is... Basically, if you went to Daniel chapter 7, uh, and you were to read that, and you see the the world empires, which was the Babylonian, the the Medo, the Persian, Greece, and Rome. Uh, Then Daniel chapter 7, the four world empires, bear the image of animals. Certainly the first three anyway, and we shall see uh, what's common to all of these. The four great beasts coming up out of the sea in, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 3, the four great beasts coming up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, had wings of an eagle. The second, verse 5, resembled a bear. And the third, verse 6, was like a leopard. And there we see the elements to each of these descriptions, but it's precisely the same three animals that are described in the book of Revelation. Now, why does Daniel describe the Babylonian kingdom the way he does, like a lion? Well, because of its fierce, consuming power. Why does he use the Medes-Persians like an image of a bear? Well, obviously because of the ferocious strength. And might and stability, there's probably other reasons there. And then the Greece as a a leopard, uh, because it moves swiftly, it was rapid, and and it's always been known for that uh, through Alexander the Great. So the images of these animals by which the way was common in Palestine, everyone knew what these images were, a bear, a lion, and a leopard. They give some dramatic emphasis to the character of the nations that are being shown to Daniel in his vision. Now, if you, continuing, if we were in Daniel and, and working through that, uh, there's a terrifying look at this, this monster here, or this picture. Uh, he gives the that it once had ten horns. That's Rome, so parallel uh, that. That parallels with it, doesn't it? Daniel 2, image of the statue where the final form, Rome, was again with iron. and it had ten toes, which are parallel here to the ten horns in the comparative language. And, and again, I, I know even as I'm speaking here, the difference in horns and toes and uh, image and all this gets to be confusing, but basically back in Revelation 13, let me just try to weave this in. Those animals were used in Daniel first, and then they're brought up again in Revelation chapter 13. So we see these same animals which were common to that part of the world, and I think that's why they're used, the leopard, the bear, and the lion. But notice that uh, time they've all embodied in one beast. The power of Babylon and the greatness is there, the strength, stability, fierceness of the Medes and the Persians, the swiftness and the uh, veracity of the Greece. In other words, this final form of the world, final government or revived Roman Empire, whatever it ends up being, a final world empire in which the Antichrist will rule, and we can't see the final form yet because he can't see the Antichrist. He's not here yet. Whatever that is, is going to embody all of this. In other words, the final form of the world government The final world empire that proceeds out of the old location of Rome to cover the globe embodies all the fierceness of all those prior world kingdoms. And that's what Revelation 13 is saying. The beast coming up, having this, and then it says, The beast which I saw was like, he wasn't a leopard, but he was like a leopard. There's your analogy. Uh, he, He was like a leopard, a bear, and a lion. And so he is saying he has the power that all of those represent. And of the interesting note here, uh, some have mentioned this, it's in a different order in Revelation than it is in Daniel. Daniel gives it in a different order because in Daniel gave it, they weren't yet happening. And then when John gives it, they've already come and gone. So they're looking at it from different angles. And that's the only reason for that. Now to everyone in Palestine or Jerusalem, all this area, Daniel's time, and in the time of the writing of Revelation, these animals would combine all the symbols of speed, ferocity, power, strength, tenacity, uh, all of these, appetite and devouring. They would sum up everything that was wicked and evil in their times. They all embodied in this final form of world government. This final world empire that's going to be headed up by the Antichrist is being described here. It's being described here in the most despicable way. Imagine what the world is going to be thinking when they hear this. I know, what what do you think when you hear news about our country debating about whether or not a person can be a male or a female, depending on how they feel that day, or what restroom they want to go to, or how they choose to to, uh, relate to themselves? You get angry, don't you? You you get you you don't just get confused. I mean, it doesn't confuse you about your own identity. It makes you sick to think that our country is actually talking about this and that it's even possible to be debated. Well, imagine what the world's going to hear then. We can't even we can't even come up with all that they're going to have. But you you see that this is all happening, and so this is all the power. This is all related to the power here in verse two. Look at what else he says. In verse 2, And the dragon gave him his power. There it is. The dragon. Now, who is the dragon? The dragon is Satan himself. Remember, it's the dragon that is standing on the sand of the seashore based on Revelation twelve seventeen, and then Revelation 13, 1. That he there references the dragon himself, Satan himself, Dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. That is amazing that this man is not going to solo this on his own. He is going to be taking his power and his authority. In fact, he's going to have a lot of it. You say, well, how is he going to get it? Why is the world going to give it to him? Let me tell you, there's not going to be a single human element to stop him. You say, well, what about the holy angels? They're called off. The Lord himself lets them. God allows this to happen. This is not the fact that Satan happens to be more sovereign than God. No, this is the total, absolute sovereignty of God allowing Satan this, and God's using it as a judgment to the world. This is not just a rebel army. This is not a a coup being pulled off from ranks these are powerful, powerful demon spirits who have infested the world, who have immense power, and they wield it from regal dominion. Then he says this, a great authority. That is, they have the right to act. They have the freedom to act. They have no accountability. They have no restraint. No one is stopping them from doing anything they want to do. It's not like that now, is it? They could be stopped. It's, it's, it's going to be... During that time that Paul describes in Second Thessalonians when one hinders, in fact it talks about that, it's being, there's the, hinders, the restrainer of evil will be removed. Most believe that to be the Holy Spirit that's contained in the believers will be removed and this person will be free to do whatever he chooses. Now remember now, all the demons of the universe are on earth for the first time in human history. They're all out of the they've been released from the pit, they've been kicked out of heaven and they're all gathering on the earth to be there with Satan and the forces of evil and at the same time they're creating their fury, harming people, killing people. But why would the world accept this man? Some people always ask and I think it's a legitimate question what is the circumstance that allows this man, to rise in power. And I would remind you <clears throat> that they need to be certain. there needs to be certain conditions that would happen, and they're happening right now. As I said from the very beginning, people want a man. They're looking for a leader, a dictator. Never thrust his rule upon people from the top down without some provocation. And inevitably, a man rises to this kind of rule because of chaos. The world will be in chaos. He is going to come on the scene, and he's going to have solutions. He's going to have answers. God is going to send a delusion so that people will believe this leader. That's found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Leaders rise in the midst of unsolvable problems. That's always been the case. Leaders come to the top when there's no solutions. And this frightening and horrible chaos that the world's going to go be going through. This man is going to rise, empowered by Satan, seize his authority, and in the midst of this emergency, he is going to have answers. And that's as far as I can go today. My time is out. I apologize for that, but we'll finish this next week. Remember, we just saw the personality, the place, the power, and next week we're going to see the proof. This so-called death of one of the heads. Thank you for joining me for now. This is William Rogers inviting you to come back next time for Revelation study and Revelation chapter 13 and we'll begin looking at, at verse 4 then. Thank you so much for coming today.